Hello, I'm Dr. Amalia Gondas Malka. Welcome to Womanity Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates women's milestone achievements in their struggle for liberation, self emancipation, human rights, democracy, and much more. Africa Day is celebrated on the 25th of May. And to commemorate this occasion, today's broadcast is dedicated to two of the greatest supporters of Womanity. The late Mr. Lungi Dewetti, who was Channel Africa's program manager, and Mr. Sole Petwe, who was the station manager. They strongly believed that women are the backbone of our continent. In their honor, we rerun the original broadcast we recorded a few years ago with award-winning Afro-Soul vocalist and songwriter Lyra. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be on the show. Now, since embarking on your career nearly a decade ago, you have blazed an astonishing trail of accomplishments that few artists in the history of the entire continent can lay claim to. And you've received a multitude of South African Music Awards, MTV African Awards, Mojo Awards, Glamour Magazine's Woman of the Year, Fashion and Lifestyle Magazine covers and Platinum Albums, and many more all of which have left an indelible impression on Africa at large. Can you please share with us a few of the landmarks in your career? Mm, Wow, Uh, it's tough to pick a few out of a 10-year career. Um, But I'd say performing for South Africa and America's first black presidents were the highlight for me. Um, I was also invited to speak and perform at the Oprah Winfrey School and she's a big icon for me and I got the opportunity to meet her um, very unexpectedly but I remember she took my hand and led me so we could have a private conversation and um, the the title of, of the function was called Be the Change You Want to See and it was just amazing how she came back to me and she said I, I'm so inspired by what you said you know that um, you had an intention to to be a positive influence on your community and the country. And so intention really pinpoints your end result. Um, and so just by, you know, following my heart, I was able to have such amazing experiences. Um, of course, I've had multiple tours, actually global tours. I've, I've toured in the States, in um, Europe, and of course, the African continent. And being somebody who loves traveling, that's probably one of the highlight experiences of my career. <laughs> Certainly with a music career like you've had, it absolutely takes you to places that are expected and unexpected. Indeed. indeed. And some of the unexpected experiences? I landed up in Beirut for a performance. <laughs> there was military all over the place, but I strangely felt secure. And it was amazing how people just love songs that they don't understand but they feel the music um i was also in egypt in cairo um i performed in two places there uh, in dubai um you know i wouldn't i mean europe loves africa so that's different in the states are quite open because of course we've got the Af- african diaspora but s- certain areas like that i didn't expect i've been to fiji as well <laughs> and how was that experience it was amazing actually i remember them teaching us how to dance some of the local moves and lo and behold, we found South Africans all the way out there because <laughs> it's so far from home. <laughs> you wouldn't think so, but um, it's really been phenomenal. You know, like I say, it's it's so difficult to, to pinpoint just a few. It's it's really been a rich experience um, in terms of everything that I've had um, throughout the whole decade. 
Now, the Star Tonight newspaper wrote that you are certainly South Africa's biggest star, and you follow in the footsteps of giants such as the late Miriam Makeba and the legendary letter Mubulu. What's your take on this? It's a great honor to be compared to such legends. Um, I'm still young. I'm still. I feel like I'm still starting out in so many levels, but. I have broken a lot of records, you know. We've set the benchmark for DVD and live show production on the African continent. Um, It took a lot of guts. I remember just people that have been in this industry for 20, 30 years telling me, this is not a good idea you do you know you're you're wasting money don't don't put up so much money to put on a show but i felt i was never doing productions just for south africa it was really to set a quality that would be of a global standard and that's always been my mission it's always been my passion to create a global african brand and i couldn't do that by playing just to south africa if you will and yeah um just always having those that 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 um, that willingness to even invest in myself. We always wait for record labels or somebody else to to rescue you. But I was fortunate enough to plan properly from the beginning so that I could um, put the bets on my own brand, if you will. And I think that cultivating your brand it's critically important it really as an individual. And you know, before um, the artist would need the record label to pay for the studio time, which is expensive to find stylists, uh, producers, food, accommodation, transport, um, marketing. Uh, We would even pay for um, getting on radio or putting your stuff up all over the place. So there's money that somebody has to upfront. And so for that risk, the record label would then claim that 90%. And that's how those numbers worked out. However, things have changed now. Like we do so much of the work. So it makes no sense to give up 90% of the product. Absolutely, it's so your hard earnings. Exactly. But before, like I'm saying, you know, the artists would just, they would have to be put together. It's like, sure, you can sing, but you know you have to be put together. And there's a lot of artists that still are like that, where somebody has to think about how their image must be, uh, what music they must sing, you know what I mean? So for artists like that, they really can't argue a better rate, if you will. But the game is very different for us now in that, you know, you roll up your sleeves and you do the work and you even put up money for your own brand. And so you deserve um, a, a better return. And so a lot of us are going independent for that reason. And it's really, for me, I always say there's no formula. The, the old way of, of approaching the music industry is really falling away. The industry itself is changing, in, including the market, how people purchase music and engage with, with the music industry as a whole. So the, the old way of doing things is, is completely falling away. So now we're looking for alternative ways of selling our music, of putting our, our names out there. Uh, and the Internet has been a wonderful free tool. You know, to get your music and your sound out there. And the thing that will never change, it's always about the song. You always, you still have to write good music that people connect to, that people want to hear and want to buy. Um, and furthermore, there are artists who are great at recording and writing music, but terrible at performing it live. <laughs> so that the two go hand in hand. Um, musicians have always made money from performing. But in order for people to come to your shows, they've got to hear it on radio, the internet. It's got to be out there. So it's quite a a monster <laughs> of a machine to tackle. Um, but once you know how, how what it's like, then you find ways of maneuvering. It's creating the package. It's working the brand and Absolutely. cultivating everything. Absolutely. You mentioned the element about live show production. Mm. Can you expand on that a bit? I found that previously people would, would pay their ticket 
uh, and come to a show where the sound is terrible, where the lighting isn't good, or sometimes the, the sound system is under-specced for the size of the venue. Um, so little things like this were just taken for granted, and I did not want that. I wanted for everyone to have a first-class experience in the room. So the sound had to be perfect. What you saw on stage had to be perfect. It had to be a show, a, a spectacle. Um, and I've always prided myself on that. Um, the first time we did it, I was terrified. <laughs> I was like, you know, it, it wasn't a popular thing to do. And often we would wait for corporate productions to be able to do like a big show and I, I wanted to be able to control and tell my own story in a musical fashion and so my the first attempt was in 2009 when I recorded my first DVD but before then I'd had so much practice you know putting on shows albeit on a smaller scale um, so by the time we, we did this big show I I was more refined as a performer, um, called in a lot of favors, but also really organized. I remember we had a big screen where we created animation. I had to do things pre the show to create that environment because essentially you're creating an experience. And that's always been the thing for me. You are creating an entertainment experience for your audience, um, something memorable. Um, and it requires a lot of upfront investment on my part uh, actually my whole team and so it's risky in some ways but it's also incredibly rewarding it's a real alternative in terms of different live performances and having that as a slick production that people can take away with them very much yes now in one of the articles that I, I read about you it said that you'd mentioned that you're growing up in the Davytown township in Johannesburg's East Rand was shaped by the harsh realities of South Africa's racial and socio-economic arbiter at the time. But although there were subtleties in our environment that bred a sense of helplessness and desperation, we became very integrated with not only other black cultures, but people of all backgrounds, and made us thirsty to integrate into the world. Mm -hmm. Can you please share with us some of the moments while growing up that impacted on you the most? There was a... Um I mean, I don't know if I was specifically told not how to behave, but there's certain things that we just knew. Um, one of the things is when we went into town, um, where, say, white South Africans would be there, we would never look them in the eye. Um, you would just know you keep your head down because you don't want to cause trouble. Um, you keep your head down and you move out of the way. Um, and I remember how the little white children were also taught to just smile. <laughs> you don't want to aggravate. So there was always that tension. But now that breeds an impression to a child of how your world is. We belong to that corner. Those people belong to that corner. You could see they were treated better. Um, and what I found was growing up, I actually grew up uh, in, in my formative years in, in Watteville. And to get to Benoni, which is where the white South Africans were, you'd have to go through the Indian area called um, Actonville So you could see the difference the, 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 the Indians were better than the black people But not quite as good as the white people So already there's that classism um, And so They lived in parallel universes it was, it was crazy And once you cross to the one area You adjust your behavior You cross over to the next one You adjust your behavior some more um, And you, you, you do this automatically And it's only when I got older that I realized, oh my God, this, is, <laughs> this isn't how life is supposed to be. With the transition from you know, the apartheid South Africa into a democratic one, suddenly we were allowed to go 
into mixed government schools, for example. And I remember the first thing that overwhelmed me was the, the people that I was so trained to avoid. Now I'm sitting in class with them. And my default behavior is to disappear into a corner and not be seen. Um, and so for me, it took a while to be comfortable with who I was, to accept that I was an equal. It really took a while. But then I realized every time I went into town, to school and came back into the township, again, <laughs> two different worlds. You know, you behave in one way in one environment and you behave in another way in another environment. Uh, and I wanted to balance that scale. I wanted to feel like myself all the time, to not have to play certain roles. And I realized how that upbringing influenced my, how I saw myself. I really saw myself as less than others. And so it, beha- it, it influenced my level of ambition. So I didn't think I could achieve certain things, but it also gave me drive. Once I knew I was not limited, I, was, I wanted really to push to be the best I could be in my chosen field. That's yeah. a great point. So as you mentioned with Oprah, it's about having intent. Intention, absolutely. Focusing on that intention absolutely. to overcome. Yeah. You're listening to Humanity, Woman in Unity. Today, we're talking to multi-award-winning musician, Lyra. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. In our previous segment of the conversation, we were talking about your education, your upbringing, and the point of doing that transition within your formative years of going through Bantu schooling and now on to mixed multiracial schools mm. and the impact that that had on your life in terms of opening up your mind and oh, yes. knowledge base. One of the things that touched me was something that you wrote, and I quote, my generation was the first to break free of our mental limitations and physical boundaries and set ourselves free in a true sense. It celebrates the human spirit, which can never be caged completely. A person can put you in a cage and hurt you, but they can't touch your spirit and your mind. Now today, 20 years after our first democratic election, can you take us back to some of your personal experiences where your spirit overcame those moments? Mm. Um, I'm just trying to find... I would say when I had quit my job, some of the things that had me confused. I was 22 years old and I spoke a little bit of Afrikaans a little better than my colleagues who were also black South African and before I knew it I was getting invited to certain office um, or rather certain company events and I'd be the only black person there and this confused me greatly you know it just seemed like just because I speak the language then I've crossed over to to the cool club so it as became it were. Inc- language became a definer of inclusivity Very much. Um, because they felt I could relate I suppose on their level and then I was promoted twice I was a hard worker those I really feel I deserved but there's just certain things that confused me I didn't know whether it was because of my own ability or because I was the token darkie if you will uh, it really plagued my mind for a long time. Uh, you know, you want to be validated for who you are and uh, not for other conveniences. And so I think some of those things added to me wanting to just find more fulfillment in my life. And so, of course, I went into music. Um, the music industry proved exceptionally challenging. And at my darkest hour, 
I realized that I've been so used to blaming the system that for the first time I had to take responsibility for my own perceptions of of how my life had been. So now there I was, um, really depressed and wanting to point the finger outward. And in that instant, I, I think taking responsibility made me change my attitude. I was going to be responsible for everything that was happening in my life because I have the freedom to choose how to react. That one moment changed my entire life. Because to this day, it does not matter what's happening, how the industry is, how other people are acting. I literally take responsibility. And for me, that, that's probably the, the best description for my freedom, is you cannot change what life throws at you, but you have the freedom to choose how to respond. And since then, I, I remember looking at what I could change, and, and I stopped moping about what I could not change. Um, and I literally, it's as if my mind then looked for solutions immediately. Um, and in that instant, I, I literally began finding clients, for example, that would appreciate my level of professionalism and my level of work. I literally found clients and I would do work and I, I started getting referrals. So, of course, I wasn't making a living at that time as a musician. Um, and within three years, I was a fully-fledged entertainment powerhouse if you will um, and it gave me a great sense of pride that's actually how I started my business is because I just met that need of becoming a professional service provider uh, providing entertainment for all kinds of uh, environments I think that you raise a really important point there which I feel comes a lot with maturity of being able to realize that and taking responsibility for your personal actions, taking responsibility for where you are going and what your direction is. It was very easy to blame systems and processes, but it's about being able to work them and take charge of your own life. Very much. And of course, like I'm saying, I, I got so used to blaming apartheid. I could see in my behavior how it influenced a lot of things that it became habit. And the minute I stopped that, I was like, fine, it's there. So what? So what now? Okay. Like, how do we move on now? And I promise you now that made all the difference. I'm a completely different person because of that simple change. Yeah. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> now, you studied financial accounting and auditing at the Val Technicon in South Africa. And I'm sure that your financial skills have served you well in your career. Can you expand in terms of the importance of achieving your academic qualification, mm. given your background, given where you came from, and how it contributed to your career? But also, for young girls that are listening on the continent who may be at a crossroads in their life where they're thinking, should I continue with my studies? Mm. Should I go and do something else? And they're not certain about the role of academic education in their lives. In the simplest terms, education refines the mind. It is so important to have a sense of completion um, in terms of your academic studies. Believe it or not, you will always use it. It will refine your mind. It will train your sense of reasoning and your logic. And it's a tool that you will always use. Nobody can take that away. It's knowledge that you acquire and you will, you will use it one way or another. So it is important. Once you've started it, I urge you to complete it. What I recognize now is one might think finance and music aren't even related, but oh my word, I've discovered that the process of doing one's books, for example, 
um, it teaches you to investigate solutions. It teaches you to think logically and systematically. And now, it's the beautiful thing about life is that when, once you learn a certain thing in one area, it becomes a ripple effect in other areas of your life. It's transferable skills. Completely. And I think this helps you looking in terms of a bottom line on what you're doing, what your outputs are, and what your inputs are. For, for the first time, you're actually able to make sense of that. What am I giving in and what's coming out? You learn to balance your life as you balance your balance sheet. You, t- you begin to take responsibility for what you're doing with your money. I actually even wrote a song called Miley, um, and I discuss it at every concert that people complain about they work but they always talk about how they don't have money truth is you have money but you're spending it frivolously and you cannot account for what you did with your money and then you throw your hands up and say oh i don't have money if you sit and account (laughs) and take responsibility for what you are actually doing with your money you'll recognize how much waste you actually go through so for me being able to account taught me long ago to be careful what I do with my money and especially with as a musician you tend to live from hand to mouth you 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 receive your money this week and then you do a whole bunch of things by the end of the month you're not really sure where it's all gone but you remember receiving the money and I learned a very important um, skill uh, that I suppose nobody will teach you at school but it works beautifully uh, when you're a musician don't touch that money. Rather pay yourself a salary and be disciplined to live within those means. Whatever's left over, you will use to save because you never know um, what tomorrow might bring. So now, you know, you give yourself a bit of a cushion for the dry season, if you will. Um, some of the money you'll use for marketing yourself. You'll need to move around, create new pictures, take on an opportunity that might require you to, to invest. Even putting on a show sometimes that might not give you the returns is a marketing um, exercise. So now you start apportioning your money, but you, if you look at it on a monthly basis, then it makes better sense. Because if you look at per gig, you won't see how you yeah, can do The time frames are too short. It's too you short. Can't possibly review the patterns, you look at what the expectations are, how things are going to, to pan out. And education enabled me to even think that way. So then you start seeing it's a useful tool that nobody can take away from you. Yeah. I think that that's also one of the most important parts that once you have it, it's something which cannot be reclaimed or claimed by anybody else. Absolutely. Building female leadership capacity, I consider, is really important for the future of women to our country and as a role model to so many young South African women, but also to other women across the continent and, in fact, Mm. across the world, given your international footprint. How do you see female leadership in our country? Yeah, it's... It's so important, firstly, and I'm excited to to say that I've I've had a lot of female uh, role models in this country. And for me, it was always like when I saw women doing amazing things, it gave me the strength and the confidence to say, okay, so so this is possible for me. And that's, that's one of the most, that's a big responsibility. If you are in a position where you can go beyond the norm do it because the likes of us are watching and it gives us a sense that we can do better and so even for me even i mean my biggest my favorite saying is be the change you want to see in the world actually as i said that i just remembered um two days ago i was sitting in my house and i've got all the pictures there you know sometimes you just get used to 
oh, I've got to be there. I've got to do that show. I've got to prepare this. So you're just constantly running. You're running on the treadmill. And I stood for a moment. And I mean, it brings tears to my eyes when I think about it. I looked at one article, uh, a cover that I did for Destiny magazine. And I'm looking at this picture. And I think, oh, wow, I look very nice. And I look at the, the caption. And I'm looking at other pictures. And I'm like, oh, my word. I became the woman that I always was looking up to. I, I did it, but I never considered it all these years until two days ago. <laughs> so it's a powerful. So having that reflection mm-hmm. was a powerful thing for me. Um, so going back to what Oprah said is intention. I thought back to the fact that that that, that was my mission. That was my intention. You, I wanted to be to set an example for what is possible. Not only for myself, but for the young African girl or boy who's watching. For me, my brand is always about creating possibility. Because I was in a position where I could take that leap. And now I can confidently say to anyone who wants to follow their passion, it is possible. Go for it, in fact. The only thing I will urge you to do is, yes, please get educated. Get a skill, get knowledge. And secondly, Correct your thinking to align with the journey that you have embarked on. If you're going to go into it thinking, oh my God, it's too difficult. Um, I'm not going to make a living. It's going to be too hard. You know, you're already setting yourself up. Yes, you've got a negative perspective and you're almost setting yourself up for failure. You're setting up for failure. So it's important to adjust your attitude, to adjust your thinking. Bless your life. Empower your life. Empower your, your journey. Speak positivity into your life. Fuel it making a furnace you know be your own hero be your own um source of light in that sense you have got to be you have got to take responsibility for yourself in that way and that's that's for me that's the only prerequisite if you're going to follow your passion if you're going to be in a corporate space i found sometimes you can sort of get by with just you know doing the bare minimum but if you're going to follow your passion you really have to show up for it mentally spiritually physically financially in all aspects of life. Yeah, you go in there hundred percent. Yeah. I think those are really powerful words and powerful statements to pass on to our listeners. There's such a difference between corporate and being solo. Here you've got to take absolute responsibility for For everything that you do. Every moment in the day. I have to (laughs) I was writing the other day because I prefer to take Mondays off. So I've been doing this now for a year, take Mondays off. And sometimes I'm just lethargic. Sometimes I'm just and then I thought to myself, what are Mondays for? If the day is done, I want to be able to say, this is what I did. I don't want to sort of just respond. I want to set the day and intend, this is what I'm going to do with my Monday. And then I thought, well, while I'm at it, what am I going to do with my Tuesdays? What am I going to do with my Wednesdays? You know what I mean? Just account. Because now there's also that freedom, of course, um, to say, this is what I'm going to do with my time. But in the beginning, it's slogging all the way. <laughs> but yeah. You're listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity. Today, we're talking to multi-award winning musician, Lyra. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. In our previous segment, we were talking about the importance of education. We were talking about finding someone's passion to be able to fuel their imagination and to fuel their intent and to visualize and contextualize their direction and where they want to go and to adopt and adjust the right attitude and the right way of thinking. Now turning to the musical space, music has always been a huge inspiration to people and has occasionally been exploited to influence both political as well as social agendas around the world. 
How do you see the role of musicians in this regard? And is there a fine line between what is a positive or a negative influence on people's lives? I suppose there's certainly a fine line. Um, And each of us choose our own path. I can only speak for myself in that I had a clear intention from the beginning that I wanted to be a positive influence on the world. Um, and specifically on Africa. Um, however, there's all kinds of ways that you can go. Of course, there are people making music for for the hits for now, for the clubs and whatnot. Um, so I know I feel a certain part of people's existence. So if you want to celebrate your loved ones or if you want to relax or if you want to go for a long drive, you'll typically listen to your music and I'm fine with that that I don't feel a person's everyday sort of life that's fine because of course my intention was very clear um, and and not to even knock anyone else who does any kind of music I, I'm just very aware that we all have our own intentions out there um, I do feel it's important to have a cause for everything that you do to have an intention to have a reason a purpose for it and mine is clear. Mine has always been clear. And and actually think back to when people say, oh, so how come we don't see you in such and such a tabloid? How come we don't see this being written about you? It's not align, in alignment with my vision. I, I'm not likely to behave out of character or out of line with the vision that I've set for myself. It's your vision, it's your brand, and it's, it's your purpose. authenticity. Very much. And that's And that's the only reason why you wouldn't see me in certain spaces and not that I'm squeaky clean or anything like that but I just there's certain things I will not do Um, and I'm also aware that I I, I've chosen to be a role model it's something I've put on my own shoulders Um, and I take it I take pride in it it's a legacy that I'm trying to build but with that comes a tremendous responsibility in terms of how you display how you behave because you're influencing young people very much but that's also the purpose I am influencing young people. I am influencing young Africa. I am creating an impression of how the world sees Africa. Yes, I am. That's my mission. That's my purpose. It's an admirable mission and one that you are are certainly well on the way to succeeding in. Appreciate it. Now we're coming to the last components of the show. And I'd like to ask you a question that I pose to all our guests Mm. Every August, we celebrate Women's Month in South Africa. I think we're the only country to do it in the world. And in that period, we talk about the years that women have struggled and we reflect on the progress that women have achieved. Mm. In your opinion, which areas do you think that we still need to build on the most to benefit women in the future? You know, I think this country has done well in terms of creating empowerment platforms for women. But we need support. It's one thing placing us in a space but sometimes women get set up for failure. Women need to be enabled to fill certain positions and to take on certain spaces of power or leadership. Um, we do need support. I, I see it in my in my own space. I, I'm enabled. I mean, I've got a wonderful husband. I've got a wonderful team. I can't possibly do it on my own, but I've got enablers you know, around me. So I think that's that's a very key thing. Um, yeah, for me, that's that's the main one. And then I'll, I'll just digress a bit and, and say the thing that's been a theme for me this year 
and being a woman and I feel I've, I've covered it almost in every talk that I've given this year it's just a reminder in the back of my head to say as women you know we're always fighting to be heard to be seen to be given an opportunity um, that perhaps sometimes we of course fight amongst each other but ultimately it feels like the thing to to consider is to develop to develop a sense of self love and appreciation if there's a better a greater sense of self there's no need to fight amongst each other or to fight so much um in 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 all the things that we do sort of to influence outer things our careers that we need to also invest some energy inwards to feel yeah, a sense of self, you know, the spirit. You said on self-development? Very much, but I mean, I, I even mean it on a, on, a, on a spiritual level. You know, we'll always show up for the career. We'll always show up for the children. We'll always show up for the husband. We'll always show up for the church activities. I mean those moments when nobody's watching and you are dealing with your own dark corners. I mean that part. I would urge women to also consider that, you know, to just literally stop all the noise, stop all the roles that we need to play and just invest a little bit into yourself where nobody's watching, where nobody can look and go, oh, you're doing this well. Oh, you know, so you can literally be by yourself and and connect with yourself in that way. I think that's a really interesting perspective. Excellent. And I hope that some women can find the time to do that because I think quite often they're so pushed extending themselves into multiple different roles exactly. that they ignore and, and neglect the self. This is exactly my point. And lastly, in closing, can you please share a few words of inspiration that you'd like to pass on to young girls and women in Africa who are listening to the show? Uh, firstly, thank you so much for the opportunity to speak on the show and to address all these wonderful women listening. My message is always the same. Find out who you are. Find out what you love. Find out what excites you in life. Dare to do it. Build a vision, a very clear vision for yourself. Determine what you can and need to do to see it come true. Roll up your sleeves and do it until you get there. Adjust your thinking. Um, consider the end result. See yourself at the end. And be your own heroine, if you will, in the process. Um, I always find when you, when you dare to do something that's truly, truly meaningful, all kinds of things will come at you, uh, almost challenging you. So... It, it really is just life's way of getting you to be your own hero in that sense. And good luck. <laughs> God bless. Thank you for those words of wisdom. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity, and we have been talking to multi-award winning musician, Lyra.